G'day and welcome to the Dolby Anglican Podcast. My name is David and I'm one of the ministers at Dolby Anglican Parish. We're a church that's all about knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. And if you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit anglicandolby.org.au. This week's sermon is called Rescue from the Water and it focuses on Exodus 2, 1 to 10. And it's part of a new series called Exodus, the Gospel Before the Gospel. We hope you enjoyed the sermon. First reading is from Exodus chapter 2, verse 1 to 10. Now a man of the house of Levi married a Levite woman, woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put him among the reeds along the river bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe and her attendants were walking along the river bank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her slave girl to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. And the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her. Today we're kicking off a new series in the book of Exodus. But uh, the Exodus is not a new story. The book of Exodus kicks off with the word and. You may, if you were, um, you may have at school have been told that you never ever start a sentence with the word and. But the whole book here begins with the word and. This is because it's not a new story, but the continuation of the first story of the book of Genesis. In Genesis, God creates the world and everything in it, including people. God creates a good world and a garden at the center of it, producing abundant food, perfect living conditions, and a man and a woman living in perfect harmony with their creator. Everything starts off very good. But it doesn't stay very good for very long because the man and the woman, Adam and Eve, reject God's rule over them. As a result, sin enters the world, bringing suffering, sickness, and death with it. The perfect harmony is broken, and sadly, this cycle of brokenness and rebellion continues. Lies, theft, and murder creep into God's good world through the people he made, and things get darker and darker. God is the God of justice, though, and he judges the darkness and the evil. He cleans up the world by sending a flood and graciously provides a way for people to be saved. Through an ark built by a man named Noah. Hold on to that detail. 
Sadly, only Noah's family heed the call to repent and take refuge in the ark. And the flood comes. Noah and his family survive as a remnant through the flood. But Noah again turns to sin. It's amazing. As soon as the ark lands, Noah makes a still for himself, gets drunk, um, and lies naked in a cave. Rather than being the light God had called him to be. Noah's descendants bring more darkness into the world. This continues until God calls Abraham. Abraham is nothing special, but the light of faith grows in him, and God promises to give him land and a family and to bless all the nations of the earth through him. Abraham learns to take God at his word, and God's promises begin to come to life. Abraham, however, dies, and his son Isaac inherits inherits the promises. And this, then, is passed down to Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons. His favorite son is a boy called Joseph. Joseph gets special treatment, so his brothers get jealous, and they sell him into slavery in Egypt. It seems like darkness has once again snuffed out the little light there is. But God isn't finished with us yet. There's that and. And Joseph, like his great-grandfather Abraham, learns to trust God. And God takes him out of slavery and into Pharaoh's palace. God tells Joseph that a famine is coming. And this allows Joseph to save his family, including his treacherous brothers, as well as the whole nation of Egypt. Genesis ends with God's people thriving in Egypt, but they're outside of God's land that he promised Abraham. It's a light ending, but it leaves you wondering how God is going to keep his promises. And that's why Exodus begins with the end, because Exodus is the next part of the story, the continuation of the whole big story of the Bible. And in Exodus 1, we read, Then a new king, who did not know about Joseph, came to power in Egypt. This guy is the most powerful leader in history, but he knows nothing about his history. He's forgotten what came before, and his intentions are dark. Like many powerful leaders, his grip on reality is shaky, and he desperately wants to hold on to power, and so he starts to overload the poor workers in his land. This harsh treatment backfires because the Hebrews grow. When things get darker, as the paranoid king turns to infanticide, killing the sons of the Hebrews before they can threaten him. Things are dark in Egypt, but there's a spark in the dark, and it comes in the form of an ark. So we've heard of Noah's ark. Now we're going to look at Moses' ark. In Exodus 2 we read, Now a man of the house of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for, nine, for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. 
Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds on the bank of the Nile. This picture is actually an AI drawing by an artist called Dana Green. And uh, she's imagining um, what it would have looked like if people throughout the story of Exodus took selfies of themselves. So we're going to be looking at a couple of Exodus selfies throughout this series. But I love it because you see the courage in the woman. You see the fear in the eyes of the baby. And you see where God's spark in the dark is coming from. In amongst all the hardship and sadness, the Hebrew people are still meeting and falling in love. Some are hold on to hope that God, even though God seems distant, is somehow going to keep his promises. This couple from the priestly tribe of Levi have a child, and the mother instantly sees that there's something special about this baby. Now, every mother thinks her baby is special. Um, this is where the saying, he's got a face that only his mother could love, comes from. <laughs> but there's something unordinary about Moses. There's something different. And so his mother tries to hide him for three months, even though all these babies around him are being killed. She can't find him for long, and so she builds an ark. The word used for basket in Exodus 2.3 is the exact same word as Noah's ark in Genesis 6.14. The word only appears in these two places in the Bible, so the connection is clear. The reeds she uses to make a boat um, would have made it camouflage and robust, and the tar is something to make it waterproof. The Egyptians used the same materials in their river boats. So she's giving him the best chance possible. And God only knows what is going through Moses' mother's heart when she pushes her son in his little ark out into the river. But what we do know is that her actions came from a place of faith. The book of Hebrews says this, By faith Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born, because they saw he was no ordinary child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Somehow this courageous woman puts her life and the life of her son in God's hands, and God does the rest. Friends, here we see how little everyday acts of faith in defiance of evil are used by God in glorious ways. They are the spark in the dark, which can light a torch. Moses' mother didn't know what to do, so she did the best she could, and God did the rest. In April 2007, uh, Pastor Lee Jong Ruck of Jusrang Community Church received a desperate call at 3.20 a.m. The woman at the other end kept apologizing, saying she'd left her baby at the front door of his church. He went outside and a cat jumped off the fish box at his door. He opened the box and he saw a young baby girl with a cold body. Lee hugged the baby to his chest and she died in his arms. Abandoned babies were a growing problem in his town, so Lee adopted the idea of a baby box. Since then, Jusrung Community Church, a small church in, in South Korea, has 
found homes for over 2,000 babies passed through the baby box. Over 161 of them have been returned to their birth parents with the support that they needed. Friends, God doesn't call us to save the world. All we're called to do is resist evil by taking little steps of faith every day. It'll cost us something, but what we gain is eternal. This is what Moses' mother did, and it is also what the next woman in our story does. Now, God and eternal rewards were not on Pharaoh's daughter's mind when she went down to the water of the river Nile to take a bath. But she soon found herself facing both. She sees the tiny ark in the reeds and gets her servant girl to fetch it. This is another selfie. Exodus 2, 3 says, She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Now, the princess is obviously not a chip off the old block. While she knows her father wants to exterminate the Hebrews, she doesn't see the world in the same way. Friends, there's a lesson for us here in that we should never judge a person by where they come from or what family they belong to. So often we can be tempted to write a person off before actually meeting them. I might assume that the Pharaoh's daughter would be a heartless, gutless person, just like her father. She's an Egyptian after all. But while the Bible isn't backward in going forward about naming evil for what it is, throughout the Bible we see the goodness of God and compassion coming from the most unlikely places. Pharaoh's daughter, just like Moses' mother, is a spark in the dark, against the will of injustice. This is why, as a church, we're always looking for ways we can reach out to the community, whether it's helping with the Dolby Circles of Care meals or supporting our youth group or just making church available to our community. We need to give everyone the opportunity to encounter the goodness of God. It's also so ironic that when Pharaoh is paranoid about sons, it's daughters that bring about his downfall. Courageous women who stand against evil and refuse to let it go unchecked. This is why it's glorious when Moses' oldest sister, Miriam, thinks fast and says to Pharaoh's daughter, just little Miriam, imagine this little girl toddling up to him and saying, Shall I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse this baby for you? You can imagine her pushing herself through the entourage on the riverbank, past soldiers and maids, and just coming up. She's seen her brother set sail on what could be a death journey for him. And now she's hatching this ingenious plan. What better mother could Moses possibly get than his own mother? And the princess is only too happy for this strange little Hebrew girl to find someone to nurse the baby. And whether she understands the ruse or not, she says, yes. It's it's this beautiful Jewish sense of humor 
Moses is handed back to his mother. She's given a royal mandate to raise her own son. She's given protection and she's even paid to do it. How good is God, friends? How good is God? In all the sadness and suffering and brokenness, Miriam shines out as another bright spark in the darkness. Miriam should inspire us. When things are so dark that people around us can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, you and I are called to shine the light God's given us and point to the ultimate light at the end of the tunnel that's found in Jesus. And this brings us to the happy ending of this first episode of this series. Verse 10 says this, When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. Not only is Moses given the best care, (laughs) he's given the best education and opportunities, things that he will need for his mission later on. While his people are downtrodden and the forces of evil are trying to wipe them out, God is raising up a redeemer, saved through the faith, goodness, and quick thinking of three amazing young women. God's big gospel rescue is about to unfold, but it begins with this tiny spark from these women. There are twists and turns ahead, but for now, Moses' name points out to how God will rescue them from the dark, murky waters they're drowning in. And this is why we need to see the gospel before the gospel, the good news. Gospel just means good, good news. It's a Greek word, gospel. There are so many parallels between Jesus and Moses, some of which we looked at last week. Jesus and Moses both came from humble beginnings. They grew up in Egypt. Paranoid rulers tried to kill them and all the boys around them, but they ended up growing up in safe and nurturing environments. Jesus is the ultimate Moses. And while Moses' mission will be to save his people from Egypt, he will also pave the way for the saviour of the world. The story of Moses' birth isn't just an exciting Bible story for kids. It's a pointer to our rescuer. It's our story. Our God uses evil against itself, and his goodness cannot be stopped. Just as Moses was rescued through the waters of the Nile... So Jesus went down into the waters of death and came through for us. God rescues us from drowning in sin, not through an ark made of wood and sealed with tar, but through a wooden cross sealed by the blood of Jesus. Our missional God draws us out from darkness of death into the wonder of his eternal life through baptism. And friend, if if it's God's mission to draw people out of darkness and into light, then it's our mission to join him in our little ways. On this Mission Spot Sunday, whether it's praying for our mission partners, whether it's giving them financial support, whether it's joining them and going out into the mission field, it is our honour to join God in his mission, drawing us into his light. So friends, let's go into this week with hope in our hearts and good news on our lips. God is our rescuer 
And no matter how dark things get, we can have confidence that he is redeeming all things. Let's remember how God has rescued us. Let's remember that he uses the most unlikely people to accomplish his plans. And let's take up our cross, the ark that God uses to save us. And let's be that spark in the dark, pointing others to Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.